Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you are not, have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with one else's, someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, so there's God's word for us for today. And uh, Jesus speaking about the use of money and how we can get attached to it and we can forget about things that, as he just called, are of great value. And uh, we can get lost in a way. But the first thing he says I want to lift up on the, on the screen for you is right out of the scriptures. Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. Now, friends, we have seen this principle played out in our lives, especially the way Gene and I have raised our children. And it's interesting, my daughter Rebecca is here today, my granddaughter, so uh, she may hear some of the familiar things like this. But when you think about the way we raise our children, right, you, you want to say, okay, here are some responsibilities. Here are some chores. We're going to start with some little bitty things like keep your room tidy and clean and make your bed every day. And if maybe you will show some responsibility responsibility in those little things, then we would maybe consider something more of responsibility like a pet or something like that, right? And then let's just advance this on to the teenage years. When, when uh, they begin to come to us and say things like, I want to have a car. And you're like, okay, if you want to have a car, let's uh, talk about this. How about you getting a job, right? And if you show that you can be responsible and manage your schoolwork, your extracurricular activities, your church life, and also have a job and earn a little money for gasoline and such, then we will see that you are responsible with little things and we will be able to maybe get a car for you to drive. Or how about when a person goes off to college and we did this with both of our kids, we wanted to introduce them to the use of credit, right? So we give them a credit card. It actually is in their name, and then we are helping pay the bill, of course. But they're building their own credit score. They're learning to be uh, responsible with credit. They start with small purchases, maybe a limit of $500 on that credit card. But eventually, we realize that they learn how to, it gets paid off monthly, and you build good credit practices. You start with little things, realizing that as you show that you're responsible in the little things, then you're ready to take on bigger things. Parents, are we in agreement here? Is this a good place, ways, to, ways to lead our kids? So having said all that, think about even our jobs. We have internships. We have junior partners. We have the newbies that come out of college that get the, the hard jobs or maybe the things that nobody else wants. But then you want to see if they'll be responsible. You give them maybe a small territory in sales. You'll have somebody supervising them and mentoring them. And as they grow and as they show that they're doing a good job, then eventually they become a manager or a, a team leader or eventually maybe even a partner, right? It's part of how we do life. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. God is entrusting us with a little. He's seeing how we're doing with the little that's been entrusted to us. And if we can show ourselves responsible and doing what pleases God with what has been entrusted to us, then I believe God will give us more responsibility and more to do for his kingdom. Whoever has been entrusted a little can also be entrusted with much. So here's the question for all of us. Are you a good steward of what has been entrusted to you? And the word steward means it's 
You're managing or taking care of something that does not belong to you. And we believe in the Christian world and in Christian life and theology that the God, God gives us this planet. He gives us responsibility to care for and maintain this planet. He gives us wealth so that we can uh, uh, take care for it and share it and be generous with it. Because really, at the end of the day, it's not our stuff. Friends, I hate to tell you this, but at the end of your life, because I've dealt this with my mom just when she died in the last few months, at the end of your life, your stuff gets liquidated. It goes to goodwill. It goes to other charitable things. It goes to consignment shops. It, it gets you know, distributed to other family members, but you don't take anything with you. And you will take some things with you, the people and the memories and the lives and the gospel and the way that that's been entrusted to us as well is something we're gonna talk about. But are you a good steward of what God has blessed you with? So Jesus, often, Jesus would often use illustrations about masters and servants in some of his parables and teachings because he wanted his followers to be good stewards uh, of what God has entrusted to them. And he would even say, if you will take good care of something that belongs to someone else and even multiply it, then you will be entrusted with even more. And that comes from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. It's the parable of the talents or you might know it as the parable of the bags of gold. And I'll just remind you of a little bit of it. There was a, a, a master who went away. And when he, while he was away, he entrusted to his servants five talents of gold or five bags of gold to one, three bags of gold to another, and also one bag of gold to the third servant. And when he came back, he wanted to reconcile a counsel. He wanted to see how his money or his gold had done, right? And he goes to the first one. And the first one who had five came back with what? five more. He'd multiplied what God had or what the master had entrusted to him. And then these are the words that Jesus says in the parable. You've been faithful with a few things, so I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And friends, sometimes I overlook that part of the parable because friends, I think this is what's key. Jesus is saying, Come and share the master's happiness. What's going to give the Lord the most joy? And what will give us joy is seeing the gospel spread across this planet, watching the gospel spread through East Texas and into our community, into our schools, into our neighborhoods, watching the kingdom of God grow in our midst because God has entrusted us with the gospel, most importantly, of Jesus Christ. And when the church is sharing the gospel and it is good stewards of the gospel and watches that multiply in our midst, God is smiling and he wants us to share in his happiness. So this really isn't about fundraising. This isn't about raising the budget or trying to have enough funds to pay all of our bills in 2023, friends. I want to see the joy level of Marvin Church go up. Anybody else want to see the joy level of Marvin go up? And I believe that the joy level of Marvin Church will go up as people are giving more. And I'm not talking about just giving away money and giving money into the offer plate. I'm talking about giving time to the children in the children's ministry, giving time to the youth in the youth ministry, giving time at a serve night, going on a trip to Tanzania, wherever the Lord sends you, however you are gifted, when you start giving into that, there's going to be a level of joy that'll be raised up at Marvin Church. And that's the vision I want to see. And it's coming right out of the scriptures. Come and share in your master's happiness. And as long as we are like that one person, that one person in the, in the parable who buries their talent, doesn't do anything with it because they're afraid of God, they don't know of the joy of the Lord. I want us to get you engaged. 
So here's a statement I wrote down in my things. I wanna read it to you. Marvin members are trustworthy. And though they may not think of it in these terms, as they give, their trustworthiness shows. And as they give, their trustworthiness grows. I want your trustworthiness to show and I want your trustworthiness to grow for the kingdom of God to come and God's will to be done and exciting things to happen as the joy level increases at Marvin Church. Now there's a flip side to what Jesus is gonna talk about. He says here, I'm reading right out of the scriptures again, whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So this is just a tool The giving of our time and talents, the giving of our money is just a way in which we can prove our honesty and our our truthfulness to God or we can be dishonest with God. Think of rock bands. I know one of some of your favorites may have been Van Halen in the 80s and 90s. I don't know if Van Halen's still together or not. I'm not sure. But uh, Van Halen is uh, notorious for having a rider in their contracts. So before they would go to play in a venue, they would have this rider. I think it's up on the screen for you. And it shows that one of the things is actually the Van Halen rider that says when they came into a venue, they expected to have not only fruits and snacks and things, but behind the stage, they wanted to have a bowl of M&M's. And that bowl of M&M's, specifically it states, was not to have any brown M&M's in it at all. Okay? And so you're thinking, okay, this is ludicrous. This is ridiculous. Why would they even do this? Those crazy uh, rock stars, they're just trying to make somebody's little job hard. No, in 2012, uh, the lead singer David Lee Roth gave an interview. He explained what was going on with the M&Ms. He said, when we showed up, the first thing we would do is we would check those M&Ms. And if there were brown M&Ms inside, we knew we had problems because they had not read the contract thoroughly or maybe they had overlooked some things, or they were not detailed, and somebody didn't take it upon themselves to take that seriously. So if they didn't take that seriously, there was probably something else that we asked for that was not taken seriously. Now, at that time, that rock band had like 780 big lights that they brought in for their shows. They also brought in the biggest stage that was done uh, at that time for rock concerts, and they knew that they had to do a hard check on everything in the line because there was a potential for danger. And sure enough, if the M&Ms were not the way that they had asked for them to be, they would find something wrong. And we're talking about things that could have been harmful. There could have been power outages. How many of you'd like to have been at a concert and have a power outage? How would that be the biggest letdown ever of a concert to go totally no power? But if they came in with all the lights showing everything and didn't have all the electrical things that they had demanded and asked for, that was a potential problem. And also the staging they said at times could break down and that could be dangerous not only to the band members but could hurt someone in the audience. So if you're not trustworthy in the small things, you then you will not be trustworthy in the bigger things. So stewardship is for us, friends, a simple way that God could just check on our hearts, see how we're doing in the area of giving and see if we're honestly fulfilling what God has asked of us to follow Christ, be the most generous person we can be. Now this summer, I started reading a book called I Like Giving by Brad Formsa. And uh, guess what our stewardship campaign's called? 
<laughs> I like giving, right? So didn't, didn't, have to, didn't have to change it up or anything. In fact, there's the book title. You can go uh, buy it on Amazon or go go over bookstores or whatever and go get this because this book just has lots and lots of stories about generosity and how people express generosity. Let me tell you a little bit about Brad Formsa, uh, though. Um, his introduction, he talks a little bit about growing up and his father owned a bakery in the city. And so every Saturday, he and his grandfather, excuse me, he and his grandfather would go and they would take loaves of bread from the bakery and they would distribute them to neighbors and friends and also people in need. So Brad grew up watching his grandfather on Saturdays be generous and give things away to people. What a great legacy. If you're a grandparent or a parent, don't ever underestimate the power of what your children or your grandchildren are watching you do because you are training them up. And so Brad has given this incredible legacy. In fact, he found a letter that his grandfather gave him and said, Brad, Winston Churchill said, you make a living by what you earn and a life by what you give. Friends, that's a great quote. You, you gotta write that one down or put that down somewhere because I think of David Nichols. I think of a man who's not made a living here in Tyler, Texas. He's, he's made a life by what he's given away. And I'm just blessed to be around him because he inspires me and I think he inspires many in our community. But you know what? Brad had to figure this out for himself. Brad's very candid in his book. He tells he and his wife's story. He had a landscaping business and these are his words. When it came to business, Business, I was driven by money. My heart motivation was in a bad place. The landscape business was booming, but I just wanted more. And finally, I realized that even though I had decided to live my life for Christ, it was greed. It was greed that was controlling my life, and I was unhappy. I was burned out because I gave out of a sense of obligation and duty. And finally, I just realized I need to find my way, my creative way, my God-given way of giving to others. And what, where he started was in his supermarket. And what he would do is he'd go up to an elderly person who's there, maybe kind of in the aisle and start going through their coupons. So he knows things are kind of tight for this person. He'd go up, he'd introduce himself to them. And then when they shook hands, he'd have a $20 bill or something stuck in his hand and he'd just leave it with them. And then he'd just walk away and that person would be left with $20. Sometimes he would go and he would uh, uh, stand in line and buy his groceries. And then he'd also give some extra money for the person who's coming behind him. He was finding creative ways to be generous. And he found that at Acts 20, 35, remembering the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, was actually becoming the mantra of his life. And before he said, we became givers, we were unhappy, we were empty. But then when we began to give and be generous and be creative in our generosity, we found ourselves to be filled with joy. And then, then his words again, life is giving. And when we started living generously, we just couldn't stop. What a great testimony. I just want to encourage you to read that book. It's just filled with great stories to get us thinking about how we can be uh, generous to others. So Jesus' words again, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Well, let me tell you, friends, it's God who gives us the true riches. It's God who's in the business of the true riches. And what is the true riches? Who are the true riches? The true riches are people. It's people who need the Lord. It's people who need the gospel. 
It's people who, when you do something generous, like give a waitress a $20 tip, just stops and goes like, what just happened? Is this for real? What's going on here? And you get their attention. And that's so much fun in doing that. And Jeannie and I had the opportunity to do that just recently. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 20, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And friends, when we get to heaven, there's not gonna be a lot of stuff up there. Sorry if you're looking forward to a lot of stuff in heaven. Maybe there'll be some kind of stuff. I don't know what it's gonna be like. It's gonna blow our minds, I'm sure. But there's gonna be people in heaven. There's gonna be people who you've invited to Christ in heaven. They're gonna be glad that you invited them to Christ, that shared the gospel with them and, and you invested in them and you came alongside them. You gave of time to them. You gave a listening ear to them. You encouraged them. You mentored them. You, you taught them Sunday school. Those are the riches that I think that Jesus is talking about. Those are the true treasures of heaven. Now, Elizabeth Dunn, is a social psychologist. And Michael Norton, a professor of business administration at Harvard Business School, they wrote a book called Happy Money, The Science of Smarter Spending. They wanted to go to the old adage that money can really buy happiness, right? Money, could money buy happiness? And they turned the question on its end. Money can buy happiness if it's not spent on you. Money can buy happiness if you spend it on other things that are transcendent, big things like God's kingdom and, and the church and, and give it away to others. And that can buy you happiness. They called it pro-social spending and they did some research. They got some business people together and they, they figured it out. I don't know how they did this. Maybe they got a grant, gave these people bonuses and then they kind of checked back in with them after they got their bonuses, found out how they'd spent it. And those that spent it on themselves and, and things like boats and property and materials and things like that. They just noticed there was a lower level, level of satisfaction. But people that made charitable contributions out of their bonuses, gave money to, to uh, some institution or to kids or did something for someone else, found greater happiness. So they go, oh, we did this with business people. Let's go to college and try it, right? See what the college students will do. I missed out on this experience. Nobody ever came on my campus and said, here's 50 bucks. And, uh, you know, just the only thing is you have to spend it by five o'clock today, Right? So that's what they did. They gave, they gave college students money. They didn't tell them what. They just said, go spend the money. That's all we ask. They called them back that night and they found as they interviewed these students, those that were happiest were those who had done something for somebody else, who had taken that money that was given to them that was something extra and gave it away rather than spending it on themselves. Then they went to Uganda Okay, and did some research by the same thing, their same principle, giving people money and seeing how they spend it and then interviewing them to see about their happiness in life. Same results in three different research groups. True riches is when we give away to God's kingdom and for his glory. I like giving is filled with all kinds of amazing stories. I wanna share one with you. Uh, this guy named Robert's walking to the airport. This woman comes along. She's an elderly lady. She has a heavy German accent. She says, can, sir, can you please help me find a payphone? And he's like, I haven't seen a payphone in forever. I don't even know what, uh, where, where to point. So what did he do? He just reached in to get out his iPhone. And he said, ma'am, here is your payphone. Please use my phone. The woman took his phone, gave him her bag and also her rolling luggage and left him standing there and walked away about 30 steps. He's thinking to myself, what have I done? This woman did have a German accent. He hears the recording say, please do not take the luggage of others. It could be dangerous. He's thinking, I've now got a bomb in my presence. And he's going through all this crisis thinking. And then the lady, 
lady, after making her call, comes back and she says this, thank you so much. You are an angel to me. And then says, how can I pray for you? And she prayed for him right there. She was a Christian woman and she thanked God that day for the man at the airport with the phone. He was an angel to her. There are so many ways, friends, we can give. I've read a story in the book about a college student freaking out because they forgot their laundry in the dormitory laundromat, right? How terrible is that? They begin to realize, Kinley, you're here. I hope this doesn't happen to you. But she realizes the next day, oh my gosh, my, all my clothes are going to be wadded up in a wet pile on the counter. But when she got there, they were dried, they were folded, and there was a note And the note said, Carly, I just wanted to help you a bit during this stressful time. There's all kinds of ways we can give, friends. And I tell you what, the things I'm most excited about, I heard about it this week from Scott Myers and Matt Griffith. They're working with these apartments just down the street, about 100 yards from us, fully occupied, 112 units. They are filled with souls of people that are between the ages of 20 and 40, living downtown, having an urban experience. Friends, these are our neighbors. These are the people that we're gonna have a a reach out to, a a big uh, dinner event, and we're gonna invite them to come, and we're gonna uh, cook out on the grounds, and we're gonna say, welcome to the neighborhood. But friends, I love that because John Wesley said the world is our parish. Our neighbors are right next door to us. The redevelopment in our community is happening around us and we wanna see these as individuals who need the love of Jesus Christ in their life. And I wanna just close with one last story. Gene and I were going through some things, my mom and dad, this past weekend, and uh, she was working on something and pulled out some things of my dad, and I found uh, actually his Bible, and then as Gina was looking through his Bible, she found this note that was in the back of his Bible. It was written by me in 1987 uh, when I was in seminary, and uh, I sent this to my father. I did not know what he did with it, Um, but this is a quote from Warren Webster, who is a missionary. If I had my life to live over again, I would live it to change the lives of people because you have not changed anything until you've changed the lives of people. God is the one who changes people, I wrote. This is my, my words, but it is a privilege to be a part of this process. Dad, I found this quote in a book. I liked it, so I'm sending it to you. It sums up my motivation for ministry. So, 35, 37 years ago, 1987, I guess it's 35 years ago, I wrote my dad a note. I sent a gift. I gave him a little letter, something I was learning, something I wanted to share with him. I did not know. He stuck it in his Bible. But last Wednesday night, God gave me this letter back, and I'm grateful such a God thing to do, isn't it? To give us an encouraging word when we need it about the importance of people and giving to people in our lives. So as Formsa ends up his book, I want to share how it ends. He says, if we could only move from should I do something about this to could I help them with that? It might change everything. What if over 330 million Americans today decided to go from doing something, well, just out of obligation to thinking about how can I give today? Or how can I give this month? Or Lord, or for Christians, Holy Spirit, please bring to me someone today and awaken me so I can give to them that will be a blessing and of help to them. 
Are you willing to take that challenge? Are you willing to step into that big vision and raise the level of joy here on Marvin's campus? Are you willing to ask God, as David said, how do you want me to give, Lord, because I'm here to serve? You just might find yourself saying, I like giving. I really like giving. Will you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit, inspire our creativity today. We've heard some examples of creative ways that people have given their time, given help, little chores, things that have been done to help others. But Lord, we're surrounded by people every day. So bless the efforts of our church, bless the efforts of everyone in this room that our lives could be changed to be more generous. Lord, we wanna be more like Jesus Christ. So help us to be like the most serving, loving person this world has ever known. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.